I will be beginning at uh, verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Bonnie. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Victor, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I get to talk with you about the act of prayer this morning. Just turning up the brightness of my screen right now. Um, how do you show your love? When we think about how to show or express genuine love, whether that's to a spouse, to a friend, someone in our small group, or even an enemy, I think a lot of our minds, we quickly go to the um, world of communication. I tell them that I love them. I, I write them a note of encouragement. For some of us, we think words can be cheap if there is an action to back it up. We communicate our love by making a meal or mowing their lawn or watching their kids. For others of us, it's, it's simply our attuned presence that we give to others to communicate our love. We cry with them. We laugh with them. We sit in quiet with them. All of these things are great ways to show our love, and you've been gifted, all of you, uh, in, in, in these areas to communicate genuine love to both friend and foe. In our text today, um, Paul will remind us of a tool required for love among followers of Jesus that I think that we often neglect or undervalue, and that tool is the act of prayer for one another, intercessory prayer. So here's our big idea for the day, for the morning. Genuine love calls every Jesus community to pray for one another and for their enemies. Because Christ intercedes for us, 
we're to pray for others. You know, prayer, though, is such a big topic. I sat down to write the sermon, and I'm just like, I don't even know where to begin. And so I think considering the context of Romans 12 might help us narrow down just the specific type of prayer that Paul is referring to. So let's remember, Jew and Gentile were struggling to love or like each other. So there was this internal community tension. On top of that, Emperor Claudius uh, was throwing the Jew- Jewish Christians out of the city of Rome. Next, Emperor Nero replaces him and wants, wants them gone as well. So external pressure. Right before Paul mentions prayer here in verse 12, he calls the Roman house churches to be patient with or in tribulation. Also, remember from the beginning of this section in verses 9 through 21, Paul is, he's kind of breaking down um, for these communities and explaining what genuine love requires from them. And so that context is helpful, right? We're not talking about closet prayer where you go in to your room and sit with Jesus in the quiet. No, we're talking about what, what's known as intercessory prayer, this self-forgetting, self-giving prayer that's uttered for somebody else. So with that in mind, we'll be talking about three things regarding intercessory prayer. First, the occasion of prayer. Second, the effort of prayer. And third, the fruit of prayer. Let me pray. Father, we do wait for you. We lift our heart up to you now. Pray that you would show us your face. And Lord, as people are brought to mind, um, folks that you want to put on our heart, I pray that we would be open to that and prayerful about that. We give this time to you now, in Jesus' name, amen. So, yeah, the first point, the occasion of prayer. So look again at verse 12. Like I mentioned, right before Paul mentions prayer, he exhorts the Roman Christians to be patient in tribulation. Here, Paul's words, they start to shape our understanding of intercessory prayer. Because for those in Rome, the mention of tribulation, it would have brought to mind just these like heart-wrenching images, both past and present. Just think about family members and, and friends persecuted, being killed for their faith in Jesus. Emperor Claudius had thrown the Jewish Christians out of Rome. Nero was making sport of killing the Christians, killing them off. So just to give this some reference, picture the recent news articles about Christians in Afghanistan right now amidst the Taliban's takeover of the country. It's, it's that kind of, of heart-wrenching trauma that this word tribulation would have brought to mind. And I think it also would have brought up just painful realities of the brokenness that these Christians had experienced in their own house churches. The Jews were angry at what the Gentile Christians had done with the place. Um, they, they started coming back in to Rome after Emperor, Emperor Claudius passed away. And they didn't, um, they realized just coming back into these communities that had felt like home to them, 
that they, di- they didn't sing the songs that they knew anymore in their worship services. They didn't eat the food that they were used to in their small group communities. They didn't abide by the, the religious rites that, that they had grown up with or celebrate the holidays that they had observed as, Jew- as Jews. So what Paul is getting at here is the occasion of intercessory prayer. It's when the needs of others, the needs and the realities of our friendships, of our relationships with friend and foe, have become overwhelming to us. Become overwhelming to us and left us feeling powerless to provide or to bring about change. And when we enter into the world or into the church, we, you know, we quickly find that we're just in over our heads. The hurt is too much. The needs are too great. And so what do we do? What do we do? Whether it's a lack of justice that we just don't have the power or the voice to provide. A lack of humility that no matter the argument can't convince someone that they're just so full of themselves. A lack of just the necessities of life, food, water, safety. Man, we, we, we realize really quickly that we just don't have what it takes to provide for the person in front of us. Um, some of us, uh, well, we, we just have different ways of responding to these needs that we experience. Um, some of us, we double down, right? And we rush into doing. We, we anxiously move towards the situation. We assemble the troops. We pick it. We protest. We run ourselves ragged. Other, others of us, um, we devolve into slothfulness. We move away. We, we consider um, how much energy is this going to like suck out of me, you know, we, um, how many, how many of my inner and emotional resources is this going to take? And so we just start to turn inward. We shut others out. We go dark, right? Can you identify yourself with, with either one of those responses to the needs of others? I think feeling powerless can make us do just really crazy things. And here Paul kind of calls us to a different way, the way of, of prayer, So this is how followers of Jesus become communities characterized by genuine love, both inward and outward. If we don't bring the needs of others, along with just the emotions that accompany those needs, our anger, our disappointment, frustration, resentment, bitterness, or envy, you know, just like the really ugly stuff that comes up when we're in relationships with others, I think that our joy, it will be shallow, and our love, it will be muted. It will be be little, because I think... Friends, this has just been my experience. You can't enter the vulnerability that love requires, especially love for an enemy. You can't enter into that kind of space if you aren't certain that God will tend to the needs of this person in front of us and tend to my own needs too. It's impossible. So this is the occasion of intercessory prayer when the needs of others we find ourselves in relationship with whether friend or foe, companion or stranger, whether church or political system, they become too much for us to handle. And this powerlessness should turn us to pray on their behalf. And sometimes, you know, we just got to pray messy. 
We got to pray messy before genuine love even becomes like a viable option. I love this quote from Eugene Peterson. He, you know, he's, he's um, not with us anymore, but he was a pastor and um, theologian, and he wrote a lot on the subject of prayer. In his book um, about the Psalms, using Psalms as tools for prayer, he says this, Psalm prayer enters into the way things are, but finds that the way things are is pretty bad. <laughs> Evil is encountered, wickedness is confronted. He goes on to say, human hurt is not a very promising first step to the accomplishment of wholeness. Human hate is not a very promising first step to the establishment of righteousness. Nevertheless, when prayed, they are steps, first steps into the presence of God where we learn that he has ways of dealing with what we bring him that are both other and better than what we had in mind. You know, I don't have to tell you this, but to live in relationship with others is to experience powerlessness on a daily basis. I'm sure that you just feel that in your, in your body. That is your experience. Again and again, you know, we come to the end of ourselves when we're trying to love our fiancé our spouse, our kids, our roommates, those people in our small group, our local and federal governments, that our weird um, conspiracy theory-believing uncle. Like, we just come to the end of ourselves again and again. So, a question for you. What, What painful realities and overwhelming needs come to mind for you? Maybe you've been deeply hurt by someone who claims to be a follower of Jesus and you don't know who to trust anymore. What does genuine love look like right now? Maybe your friend lost a job or their marriage is on the rocks. You know, of course there are things to do, action steps to be taken, but what would it look like for you to first bring these overwhelming realities to the Lord, to him in prayer? And, and when you can't seem to just find the words, you know, I've been there. Those dark nights of the soul when words seem impossible, you don't know what to pray. Know that even the deepest groans of your soul are brought by the Spirit to God the Father who knows what you need, knows what your friend, your enemy needs. I think that those groans count as prayer in his eyes. So... For those of us who take the, the risk and begin here, bringing the overwhelming needs of others to God in prayer, even the most resilient of us, we just quickly can lose heart and take things into our own hands. And Paul knew that, which is why he refers to the effort that prayer requires. So that's our second point, just the effort of prayer. So this word in verse 12 for constant, if you look there, It can also mean devoted or to persist. So not only does it refer to the consistency of intercessory prayer, we should be doing it often. But it, even more, it's referring to the effort that prayer requires. We're to pray and to to continue praying for others, whether friends or enemies, whether or not we perceive any fruit or effectiveness. And so let's think about this again. 
Where are these Jews and Gentiles? There are these deep ethnic wounds going on within the church. Tensions. And then outside the church, societal structures of injustice. Claudius, Nero. And I'm just, if I'm them, I'm like, you think that even the most devotedness of prayer can fix this? When hurt or injustice come flooding into our lives, man, I think we devote ourselves to many other things before turning to prayer. Prayer? We need, we need picket signs. We need t-shirts. We need bumper stickers. We need more followers. We need Excel spreadsheets. We need adequate funding. We need social media platforms, more education. I mean, all those things are great things. Right? But if we're honest, prayer, it seems so just inefficient, especially for our doer culture, right? So instead of being the foundation of our attempts at genuine love towards friend or foe, you know, we pepper in prayer here and there. And when we do pray, we lose heart quickly and take things into our own hands, or we just resign ourselves to cynicism. That's my story. Like, man, you cannot. I just. It's hopeless. They'll never change. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Like, I just, I can't can't pray anymore. I give up on them. You know, Jesus knew that we'd quickly lose confidence in our praying. And he told stories about that to encourage his disciples, to apprentice them in, in the effort that prayer requires. And so this is from Luke 18. And Jesus, he told them, a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said, to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Prayer may feel efficient, inefficient when the needs of others overwhelm us. And if we believe that, then I think, you know, you and I, we just have more learning to do in the way of Jesus. Because consider him, this, this man who gave thanks and broke five loaves of bread and two fish to meet the hunger of 5,000 people. A man who didn't retaliate when he was mocked and crucified, but continued entrusting himself to the Father, who even asked God to forgive his enemies who were killing him, and prayed to God on their behalf. In loving his disciples and his enemies, the tool that Jesus just continued to pick up regularly in his life and ministry was prayer. Um, and a modern-day saint um, that I, I look up to is, is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German theologian and pastor who experienced firsthand the oppression and injustice of the Nazi regime. 
who challenged the church in his day, the church in Germany, because of their double-hearted conforming and believed that a community remaining faithful to Jesus, the Jesus of the scriptures, was the hope of a world that had gone mad. And he, he argued that a mark of genuine love among this community was intercessory prayer. And he wrote these words. Some of them are in your bulletin. He says, human love constructs its own image of the other person, of what he is and what he should become. It takes the life of the other person into its own hands. Spiritual love recognizes the true image of the other person which he has received from Jesus Christ, the image that Jesus Christ himself embodied and would stamp upon all men and women. Therefore, spiritual love will not seek to move others by all too personal direct influence, by impure interference in the life of another. It will respect the line that has been drawn between him and us by Christ, and it will find full fellowship with him in the Christ who alone binds us together. And listen to this. Thus, this spiritual love will speak to Christ about a brother or sister more than to a brother or sister about Christ. It knows that the most direct way to others is always through prayer to Christ. You know, I think we all have those people that we've given up on. And some of us, you know, for good reason. Like Some of us, though, because we've lost heart, And we need a fresh injection of hope. We need an enlivened imagination to picture who this person, if redeemed and forgiven by Jesus, could be. To continue in prayer means to continue in hope, though. And that feels vulnerable, doesn't it? Like, that feels so scary. The occasion of prayer is a felt powerlessness before the needs of others. So we take their need and our little resources to God in prayer. And we aren't surprised that we don't see results immediately. We know that prayer takes effort because change takes time. I don't know if you think that about your own life, if you, if you observe that about your own life, but change takes time. And God, he's not going to force somebody to change He's patient, and it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. But after a season of praying for others, we didn't expect that all this praying would change us. You know, we, we, we uh, pray for a while, and then we start to see people the way that Jesus sees them. And then we're moved to action, which is the fruit of prayer. This is our third point, the fruit of prayer. So look at verses 12 through 13. Paul says, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. We'll talk more about this next week, but prayer, it often catapults us into the world in reliance upon God to meet the needs of others. If prayer changes others or our circumstances, it's, it's often not the norm. It just isn't. Prayer more often than not changes us before it changes anything else. It opens our heart towards others, our capacity to love them, to feel compassion towards them, even those we consider enemies. And in doing so, it also opens up our hands 
and our homes to these people to meet their physical, emotional needs. Hospitality is the fruit of intercessory prayer. While a felt powerlessness towards the needs of others led us into prayer, led us into prayer, we're often guided out of prayer to present our meager efforts and resources to God so that he might multiply them and meet those very needs. So, friends, just to end with some application, how do we do this? Um, How do we do this? Where do we start? I think that we need to start small. And so just three simple, slow tracks to run on. How do we do this? First, we need to grow um, in realizing that we need prayer. We need prayer from others. To grow in our own discipline of prayer, we need to ask others to pray for us. Um, So, Ask for prayer. Whenever you're given the opportunity, whenever someone takes the risk to say, how can I pray for you? Don't just say, well, hey, can you pray for my aunt's dog's leash? You know, like, open yourself up to them. Open your life up to them. If it, obviously, if it feels safe, if they feel trustworthy, you know, but open your life up to them. Ask for prayer. That's the first one. The second one When someone asks for prayer, man, just pray for them right now, right then and there. Pray for them in the moment. And even when they don't explicitly ask for prayer, when you can just sense that there's a burden on their heart, when when there's a need present, ask if you can pray for them right then and there. It doesn't have to be um, amazing or, or beautiful even. I mean, I just remember the first time that I prayed for someone out loud in, in their presence. It was horrible. I said stupid things, and I probably just prayed, I probably didn't even pray to Jesus. I probably prayed to, like, Mother Nature or something on accident. But, like, when someone asks for prayer, just pray for them. Because now, look at me. I'm a pastor. It's my job to pray for others. And I love it. It's a joy to pray for others. And I started, I started with nothing. And then thirdly, what if, what if, what if, before every single email, text message, tweet, or phone call, you just said a short seven-syllable prayer? What if you just said something uh, before pressing send like, Jesus, love them? That's not even seven syllables, that's four. What if you said, Jesus, show your face to them? Send. You might not even press send. You might be like, oh, maybe I should think about that again and edit that text message before I send it to them. What if we did that as a community? Just prayed for one another before we talked to one another. I think that we'd change a lot. So, prayer for one another, it isn't the only tool of genuine love, obviously. But it should be the one that we take out most frequently. I was thinking about this just writing the sermon. Do you ever think about how Jesus shows his love to you? Of course, he died for you. He rose from the grave for you. But now, where is he? He's ascended to the Father in heaven. His his resurrected body is up there in heaven. And what is he doing? 
What is he doing right now? This is from Hebrews seven twenty five. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. What is Jesus doing right now to demonstrate his love for you? He's bringing you to remembrance before the Father. He's talking about you to him. He's saying, Father, remember what I did for them. Remember what I did for them. Keep them. Guide them. Show them your fatherly care. They're in me. They belong to me. Love them. Jesus lives to intercede for you. His intercession makes us acceptable before a holy God. And his prayers motivate and sustain our prayers for others. So if you think prayer is a waste of time, a fool's errand, remember that the king of the universe with all the resources of heaven and earth spends every waking moment talking to God about you about us. Until it's time for Jesus to return, he'll spend his days interceding for his bride, the church. And until Jesus returns, the church is supposed to be engaged in the very same work, interceding for one another as a means to genuine love. Let me pray. Father, we just know that you love us in one of those ways uh, we can't even see, we don't even perceive. And it's your son talking to you about us. Lord, would you grow in us this motivation um, to pray for one another, to express our love for each other in quiet, faithful, simple prayers for friend and enemy. You love us. You love these ones. Uh, You pray for them. They are on your heart and on your mind always. And we, yeah, we love you for that. Uh, Yeah, we just give you our hearts. I pray for just people that did come to mind uh, this morning. I pray that, yeah, we just not be able to to put their 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 name away without without talking to you about them. Uh, would you grow in us just this, this discipline of prayer, of intercessory prayer? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.